0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable free forum discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore focus writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my marvelous co hosts with me today. Yes, marvelous. I'm going with a different word. First up, he's the other lore focus writer over on Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> okay. How are you doing?
1: Apparently, I'm marvelous. I, I, the, I didn't yes. know.
0: Yes, you are. <laughs> also with us is our other is our other co-host he's a shaman writer he's also a lore aficionado that would be joe perez hey joe
2: hello i I didn't have anything clever like shazam to say so
1: i i like the shazam (laughs) i've never heard that described as clever before but i'll take it
0: (laughs) i liked it it was funny anyway uh hey guys hello how's it going
2: uh better (laughs) i've learned the joys of giving medication to a cat who doesn't really want you near her face it's fun
0: oh that that sounds like a bundle of joy i want nothing to do with
2: (laughs) yep that is that is that is probably wise
1: all right we had to we had to give medication to our cat puck and puck is puck is free with her claws at the best of times like yeah so you try giving her medication and it's just like it's like trying to medicate a blender yeah, really that a... is
2: that is that is an accurate description. Luna is very much that same way. A
0: sentient blender. Yeah. N- neither of those things sound fun. But moving on, we've got stuff to talk about today. Uh we do have some emails that we will get to, but uh before we get to those, we had like not one but two comics released <laughs> since uh we last got together for Lore Watch, which I wasn't actually expecting. Um, I figured we would have comics at some point. I think I forgot just how close it is to the release of the next expansion, because it's like two and a half months or something like that. Now. Yeah,
1: end of August. Yeah, which actually is middle of August. Mid it, it's August. Mid August. 13th? Like,
0: yeah. Is it the nineteenth or the fifteenth? I don't I... remember. I remember either. I have it pre-ordered. It's fine. <laughs> when it comes out, it will load on my screen, and I will play. I think it. it's.
2: I think it's going to be the fifteenth.
0: Is it the fifteenth? Okay. I anyway, think so it yeah, is. it's like it's like two and a half months until the next expansion, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, and I probably should have been thinking that we would see more comics and things like that. Uh, thus far, no audio dramas, no novellas, or anything like that. Obviously, next week before the storm. Christy Golden's latest novel, that comes out, and that's going to be exciting. Um, However, we will be talking about that on the next Lore Watch that we get together for. Uh, This Mm -hmm. one, though, let's just talk a little bit about these comics, because there are two of them. The second one is a lot more introspective than the first, I think, although the first is kind of introspective. But the first involves somebody who we haven't seen in a while, and that would be Jaina Proudmore. The comic is called Reunion. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. You can find it for free on Blizzard's website, which is great. Uh, It was written by Andrew Robinson and the artists. It's a couple of artists. Uh, There's uh, Linda Cavallini, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Emmanuel Tenderini, who I'm also hoping I pronounce that correctly. Anyway, uh, in this one, we actually find out where Jane has been. It turns out it's a pretty simple explanation. She's been off fighting demons, just on her own, not with anybody in particular, certainly not with the Horde. <laughs> but uh, in the book here, in the comic, we find her, she returns to Theramore, and then she makes another trip, and it's in disguise, and she goes to Boralis. And if you've played on the beta, then you know where Boralis is. If you haven't, Boralis is basically. Going to be the Alliance capital city in Colteris for the expansion. When you first land in Colteras, you hit Borales, and the first people that you talk to are in Borales. Um, so that's also the place where Jaina's mom is at in Proudmore Keep. Um, they don't think too kindly of Jaina there. I don't know. What did you guys think of the comic?
1: I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, I knew from Chronicle that the people of Colteris didn't like her. And to be honest, I wasn't surprised even before that. Why would they like her? Um, she basically, you know, turned her back on her father and let him die, and he was a hero to them, and they didn't have any reason to like the horde. Why would they care about making peace with the horde? From their perspective, the horde had just, you know, just twenty years earlier, not even twenty years earlier, or well, like ten years earlier, yeah. the horde had like practically tried to destroy them, had killed the you know, the, the heir to the throne, had yeah, these these weren't there's, they had no reason to to like buy into the whole. We're well, no, we're gonna make peace thing. No, so I wasn't surprised. I thought it was interesting. It's setting up stuff you're gonna see in the expansion fairly effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, the tensions in Baralis, the political ones, which I'm not gonna talk about because that's you know spoilers. But they did a good job of with relatively few pages setting up what you're gonna see when you go there. So I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's nothing earth shattering, right? Like these are all things that you kind of expect. Um, I like the way that it sets up the tension for a particular, the story revolving around Jaina uh, and everything that happens there. I like that they do that. I also like some of the little touches, like, one of the, the it's such a small panel, but I really appreciate it is when when Jaina goes back home in disguise, there's a panel where she's using her power to amplify her hearing. And it's such a small little thing. But all of the things we see about magic and in, in Warcraft has been so overt and offensive that it's really rare that you see something as simple as, you know, in game terms like summoning food. It's such a small thing, but it's such a meaningful thing. And seeing that that mages have other abilities besides like casting fireball or mass teleportation is actually really cool and clever because it makes you wonder what else she's capable of doing and I really like that. I like the fact that they showcase that she has a, a sort of depth beyond just a combat mage which I think is cool.
0: Here's what I find interesting and it's one of those things that obviously we didn't know where Culturis was we haven't heard anything from it since, like, the whole thing in Warcraft 3 with Dalen Proudmoore, we haven't heard anything. Not a peep from Kul Tiras. So I had assumed, perhaps prematurely assumed, that because we didn't know anything about Kul Tiras, Kul Tiras, didn't know anything about us. And the comic pretty much put the kibosh on that. They've been keeping track of the rest of the world.
2: Well, doesn't that make sense? Isn't there like Cultiran like soldiers like randomly throughout the world, pa- like here post-cataclysm and there, world? Right? Yeah.
0: Right. Here and there, but the thing is, is it was there was always that lingering question of: Are these people actually from Cultiris or are these the remnants of Dalen's fleet?
2: Right. And I think I think the idea, at least from this comic and knowing that now it's it's so much more likely that they're not just the remnants of Dalen's fleet, because I'm fairly confident the the remnants would have gone home if they could have. Um, But, you know, flow of information, information is power. That's always been the way of war. And so having your people going out and finding out what's happening in the world around you is one of the best ways to keep your people safe because you know when something's coming your way. So it makes perfect sense to me. And I actually I kind of like that that sort of, I don't want to say explanation, but that sort of how they fit into that greater puzzle that way.
0: I mean, these guys are a major naval port, so it kind of stands to reason that, oh, yeah, okay, they've been getting their news from somewhere. There's a lot of pirates all over the place. Um, that's not really, I don't think that's too spoiler-heavy. It's it's a naval it's an island, you guys. There's pirates. <laughs> so I mean, they've got to be getting their news from somewhere. That's fine. It's just it kind of put a spin on the whole assumption that I had because I know that the dynamic that I was expecting was that if and when Jane Proudmore returned home, she would have to explain to these guys what happened to Dalen Proudmore. Turns out they already know what happened, and they are not happy about it, which is a different kind of dynamic, but I kind of appreciate it. Jaina's not going home to like open, welcoming arms here. These guys are mad, and they have every right to be. I mean, all they know about the Horde is that the Horde was responsible for the Second War. They were responsible for the death of Jaina's older brother, and Jaina apparently turned around and decided to side with these guys against her own father, the leader of Kul Tiras. So, yeah, animosity isn't really unexpected here. What I didn't expect, though, like I said, was just, like, the breadth of information that they have in regards to the outside world. Like, they know about everything that's going on here. It- it's very clear that they've got their fingers on the pulse of whatever.
2: And I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense in that regard too, especially like you said, being a port city. And it's it, it, this goes to like a Twitter conversation we had or I had uh, a couple days ago. There are neutral factions or neutral people that are neither horde nor alliance. Whether you know they're not major players, but there are NPCs that don't really fall into either of those categories. And those NPCs tend to be seafaring races, you know, Tuskar or, you know, even some of the unaligned pandarans they're still wanderers out there somewhere and they haven't necessarily aligned. There's nothing that says that they wouldn't have gone to Kul and traded or traded information or come across those sailors in their travels. Right. So, I mean, there's tons of ways they could get this information, which I think is nice because it shows that as a port city, it's doing or as a port nation, as a naval nation, it's doing what it would be doing. like in real life right like they wouldn't be that isolated they would have their ways of getting that information
0: yeah and i think that's what i appreciate because like i said in my mind because we knew nothing about kul i kind of thought of it like oh i don't know like how suramar was introduced or how pandaria was introduced where it's just living in this bubble away from everything and it has no contact with us and we have no contact with it only that's not the case that's really not the case and we've been ignoring it why have we been ignoring it that just seems silly
2: um i think it's also a very important thing to to note and this is not i don't really consider this a spoiler but it's neither nobody is unaware of the rest of the world is right. really what it boils down to and i think that's really kind of important this expansion coming
0: i think suramar was the only one that was really unaware of anything and that's because mm-hmm. well it was cut off like deliberately cut off it's not anymore yep. There are people crawling around all over the place. Anyway, uh, Jane and Proudmoore, Reunion. Totally recommend reading it because it is a very good setup for what you guys will see in Battle for Azeroth in just a couple of months, which is weird to think about. Uh, The other comic. The other comic was... I almost enjoyed this one more because we got... Okay, the comic is called Magni the Speaker, and here's what we know about Magni Bronzebeard. He was the leader of the dwarves. He got turned into Diamond right at the beginning, like in the prelude to cataclysm like before cataclysm even kicked off uh, he was trying to figure out what the source of the elemental unrest was and he participated in this ritual that turned him into diamonds uh everybody thought he was dead turns out he was not dead he woke up and he is speaking for the planet now he was basically in communion with the world soul that resides at the heart of the world um at this point, that world soul really isn't very happy and isn't speaking very coherently, probably because, oh, I don't know, Sargeras shoved a gigantic sword through the middle of it, <laughs> and now it's leeching this stuff called Azrite all over the place. Um, what I find interesting about this, though, is that I don't know exactly how much we knew about Magni going into this. When he was introduced in World of Warcraft, he was the leader of the dwarves, yeah, but we didn't know much about his backstory we knew that his daughter had been quote unquote i'm like air quoting here kidnapped by the dark iron and then it turned out no she wasn't kidnapped at all or maybe she was but now she was staying there willingly and she's also carrying the child of a dark iron um so there was all that political intrigue but there wasn't much about Bagney's life prior to all of that and this comic jumped right into it and it didn't pull any punches um, nope. Yeah. What did you guys think?
1: Well, it's good that we finally know Magni's wife's name after 14 years. Yep. You know, it's something that was good that they introduced. <clears throat> it was also good to get another look at the magni Moya relationship that isn't just the he wanted a son so he wasn't happy with her.
0: There's it's, more to it than yeah, that. Yeah.
1: It's not that he was necessarily wanted a son. He did want one, but that's not the, the issue. It wasn't that he wanted Moira to be his son. It's that he wanted Moira to be safe, and especially after his wife dies. Um, and I don't – if you haven't read the story yet, I'm about to talk about something in the story. Uh, no,
0: nope, we're wife... going to go right into it because, yeah, it's been out, yeah. guys. There's There's no spoilers. We're just going to talk about the comic. If you haven't so, read uh, it, pause here. Go read the comic. Come back. It'll take you like five minutes. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Rossi
1: when his wife dies in an in an attack from the uh the main trolls they basically attack and they they kill her escort and they they wound her gravely so that she dies shortly after Magni arrives it changes his relationship with Moira it curdles it he starts pushing harder to try and make her like you know all capable he, he's trying to you know he's trying to in- institute some method of surety that she'll be safe no matter what And even his own brother is like, you're pushing her to be something she isn't. And he's like, look, I'm just trying to protect her. If she can't see that, I can't control that. He goes, and like everything else you can't control, you either push too hard or just give up. Neither of those is going to work this time. You can't do that. And it's it's him ruminating on his new role through the lens of his failure with his daughter, which is an interesting take. You don't get a lot of father-daughter stories in World of Warcraft. Uh, So it was interesting to get to see it from that perspective, to get to see it when she's a child, when he's got his wife, when he's got a balance where he has somebody there to help him. You know, if he if he goes too far in one direction, there's somebody else there to to stop it and how it changes when he loses his wife. Uh, It's it's you know, that's another thing. We've seen quite a few World of Warcraft, Warcraft stories where someone's wife dies. That's not that's like they like it almost as much as Disney. Yeah, he absolutely that's... loves it, and, and World of Warcraft is just there with him. But this time, at least, you get to see the cost, what it cost. You, know, you don't really, even with Varian, you never really got to see it. Like You didn't get to see him with his wife very often. You don't get to see what it really cost other than him just saying, yeah, and then it it really sucked, and it made me sad for a long time. It, it, this, you actually, in a few panels, you get to see how the relationship changes. So I thought that was a really interesting thing to do.
0: What I found really cool here is that there are actually... Okay, you guys read uh, Prelude to Cataclysm and the Shattering, right? Yep. Okay. Anduin was sent to Ironforge specifically to learn how to fight and to learn how to be a warrior. And while he was there, he figured out that he was being called to be a priest instead. That was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. It looks like Moira kind of followed the same path where her dad was like, here, fight with a sword, do this other stuff. You need to be able to defend yourself but she was going down a different path. And I mean, she's a priest in, in game. Um, so it's like there are parallels between Andwood and Moira. And, and Magni is kind of like that bridge between the two. Which I find interesting. And I'm sort of wondering if we'll see more of that explored between Andwood and Moira in particular. Where the two of them will actually talk more. Because in The Shattering, I mean, when she showed up in The Shattering, was she holding him against her, her his will? kind of, yeah, because she put the whole place on lockdown when she returned to Ironforge after after Magni went diamond. Like, she put the whole place on lockdown. And Varian was prepared, like, prepared to kill her. And Andrian mm-hmm. stopped him. Um, and he and Moira had had a couple of conversations just like, Small conversations, not a lot of conversation. But now that Anduin is kind of leading the alliance, I'm wondering if that dynamic between him and the dwarves and him and Moira in particular is going to change or shift in any kind of way, um, where she's going to step up in kind of a larger role. Magni, what I find interesting about this is that there is a parallel between how Magni was handling Moira and how he's handling he's using what he learned from that experience to handle Azeroth because Azeroth is almost kind of, it's it's like the same thing as it's, a child.
2: Well, yeah, they make that parallel very, very clear. right? On a like, much with,
0: larger scale, but it's still a child.
2: Yeah. And you have, you have those powerful moments like, you know, with Magni talking with his brother and his brother saying, you know, she needs somebody to teach her, be there for her. She needs a, you know, a guardian, someone to love her and forgive her. And it is sort of like this powerful thing that sort of translates directly into Azeroth because you know even though Azeroth is a titan we don't know we don't know the level of understanding that Azeroth has right we don't know what the mentality of it we don't know really know the birth of a titan yet we know some of it but we don't know enough of it and the closest thing that she has to a guide at this point is is Magni and it's really well laid out in this comic like this is probably my this and fault lines directly tie together at least as far as I'm concerned yeah and they do so in such a brilliant way that it's this has become probably my favorite comic that they've put out. Um, and the reason for that is because Magni, like you said, is is one of those characters that we we've had for 14 years. We've had him forever. And these just add so much more depth to these simple stories that we've, we've had all this time. Like there's a panel where, you know, you see him with his wife and daughter and they're, you know, looking at the Griffins and then they're looking at the, the, the little, um, Music box, and then there's a scene later on where they have an argument, and this is after Magni's wife dies. And, and the music box is like the on the ground, shattered. And, and then, and then when his brother is lecturing him. he's He's trying to put it back together
0: again for her
2: it it is such a perfect metaphor for everything that's happened with him right it it was this perfect scene that got broken and now he's trying to fix it but at the end of it you see the pieces of that broken like the broken box still sitting on the table because he doesn't know how to fix it
0: that last page or those last two pages those last two pages are just like they're so good. <laughs> they're just they're really, really, really good. And I mean I wouldn't expect any less. This this one was written by Matt Burns, who has written a lot of stuff for Blizzard, like short stories and the like. So I I was fully prepared to be punched in the gut with feelings, like right out the gate. As soon as I saw his name, I'm like, oh this is gonna be this is gonna hurt. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> uh I find it kind of interesting here because Magni, it's like Magni missed his chance at that paternal role, or he didn't miss his chance. He messed it up. He missed the mark with Moira. He, he, He seriously did. And this is, in a way, his kind of second chance, only on a much, much larger scale, because we're not talking about one dwarf girl here. We're talking about the planet. So, um... I'm interested in seeing what happens to him. There, there's there been some back and forth and some quibbling about whether or not Magni is actually, like, I've heard some people speculate, and I have too, just kind of idly, I've thought about it. What if Magni is being duped here? What if Magni, because the thing is, is like, when you first go to find Magni up in War, what do you encounter on the way? you encounter old god tentacles and stuff so you kind of that makes you like leap to the conclusion wait a minute is Magni really talking to the world or is he talking to an old god that's you know, spoofing itself as the world, like what's going on here. And you see that again when you go meet him over in Cholazar, that whole scenario that plays out where he's talking about the dreams of Azeroth and she's dreaming about the old the nightmares, gods. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, okay, Magni, are you talking to her or are you talking to something else? What's what's going on here?
2: Um, they actually make a they make a visual allusion to that too in the comic, which yeah, I think is do. really interesting with the the fell and the, the void tentacles around Moira's crib. Yeah. So well, I thought and, that was re- clever.
0: Yeah, and the other thing with, you know, with Moira's crib and all of that, it, I mean, you have to look at the fact she's a shadow priest, so that's kind of in there, in the mix anyway. She, The thing is, is it's like there was always that kind of lingering question, and I feel like this comic in particular put that to bed for me. I don't think that he's corrupt. I don't think that he's evil. I don't think he's, I, I think he's just trying to help in as much as he can like desperately trying to help and I don't think that he would be trying to help if it was an entity that wasn't I feel like he's talking to Azeroth I don't I don't think there's anything malicious about that here
2: yeah I'm in agreement with you I said that before when when we first talked about sort of that theory that I don't I don't think Magni is I hate to say easily duped in that regard but I, I if he's doing anything harmful it is it is not intentional which we very clearly see that he's capable of making mistakes. Um, But I don't think he's corrupted. I don't think he's evil. I don't think – I honestly think he is tapped into Azeroth proper, Um, mostly because when things happen, he feels them just as she does. So, I think – go ahead. There's
1: something – just in general, one of the things I've always thought, and this is why I've never jumped on the – the Magni is corrupted or listening to the old gods bandwagon is because I don't think it's, I think it's much more along the lines of he's attempting to speak to something that is a planet. Mm -hmm. It's, it's focus is different. It's like he's trying to tease meaning out of the dreams of a gigantic being that isn't even born yet. And it's, uh, it's obsessions are on a different scale. Uh, it was terrified of Sargeras because it knew what Sargeras was going to do. And now that Sargeras has done it, it's a wounded child. The, the planet is screaming. Like He even says, you're screaming and screaming and I can't, I, you got, you know, he basically is saying, you're driving me crazy. You have to stop. I, you know, please tell me something I can actually do here. Um, that's like right at the beginning. And that's interesting to me because we're not dealing with, in, in a way, we're not dealing with a with a co entity we're not dealing with something that's rational because it is you know if you if a baby is hungry it yells if a baby is cold you know or tired or unhappy it yells it doesn't have the tools to say um hey guys i i could really use some food and it's, it's cold here Could could we throw a blanket on me it just yells that's that's all it's got so i think we're much more it's much more that than it is anything else. That would be what I think.
0: And I think that this too, this comic is kind of a prelude to what we're going to be doing as far as, well, I mean, battle for Azeroth, we all know we're going to be carting around, um, Oh, those necklace things. And, and you're going to be gathering Azerite with the necklaces. It's, it's just one of those little game mechanics. They mentioned that at BlizzCon and we have seen that implemented into the beta, into the alpha and the beta now, um, and you get it it when you run around and you find Azerite, it goes right into the necklace. Um, You're basically gathering Azeroth's lifeblood. And I feel like this comic here is kind of the impetus of that moment. This is where he figures it out. Um, Because the last time we saw him in game, we left him in the desert. We left him in Silithus. Um, He was out there, and he gave us a warning, and he let us know what was going on, and he let us know what was happening down there. But beyond that, we didn't have any kind of like follow up or conclusion we still don't we haven't done anything else down there not yet but regardless it was a really good comic i really appreciated it um i don't know how many we're going to get out of this series exactly they've I... been
1: coming out on tuesdays right yeah that's what it looks like yeah yeah so which is, i think is a good choice this week it would be this tuesday
0: yeah and i think that i think did legion have 4 or 5 i think legion just had 4 didn't it
2: I think it had four yeah
0: there were four comics leading up into legion so we I'm um, if they follow the pattern here we've got at least two more to go um and i'm hoping yeah i'm hoping we get another one this tuesday that would be great I, uh, i don't know if we'll get one the following tuesday because that's when before the storm comes out so I don't, if they want to double up on their release dates go right ahead guys i'm ready um,
1: <laughs> one thing is do, do we like can we talk at all about any of the previews we've seen for Battle before for the Stormers? That's not something we're going to talk no, about. No, let's
0: not talk about that. Um, the next episode that we do, the next episode that we record, we're going to be just... That's all mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about is Before the Storm. So if you guys have any questions or anything regarding the novel, um, any previews, or if you've read it and you have questions after reading it, please feel free to send those to podcast at com. Just put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's for this show. And yeah, you can ask pretty much anything about Before the Storm that you want. Um, not this show, but the following show. We'll be talking about that.
1: Then I need to at least say this, uh, put a pin in discussion of both the comics for that time because there are specific things that come up again in that book that are related to yep. uh, these two comics. So yep. remember them, I guess.
0: And we will do that, and we will come back to that next time. Anyway, that's enough about the comics. We do have some emails that we want to go ahead and address this time around. Um, the first one here, I'm going to have to, I think, expand a little bit because it's not very clear what what's intended here, but uh, this is from... Jerem who says, hi Jerem here What are your feelings about similar storylines in different Blizzard IPs? For example Cataclysm had the whole Age of Mortals angle. Diablo 3 had Tyrael being a mortal and er, going from being an angel to a mortal and he prefers that uh, Starcraft 2 Legacy of the Void had a super weird story but Kerrigan became a god and then became mortal again and they happened one after another Apparently they turned Jerem off from Blizzard Games for a while. So what he wants to know is what do we think about these kind of like echoes and similar similar themes across various Blizzard IPs?
1: I can't really speak to Legacy of the Void because while I have kept up on the lore of it, I did not play it. Um, Kerrigan didn't become a god. She was effectively channeling the power of a Zelnaga. That's, you know, it's but I'm not gonna if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That's, you know, that's immaterial. I haven't played the game. I can't tell you. I I personally think Diablo 3 did its bit uh, first of all, it doesn't feel similar to Cataclysm at all to me. Uh, They feel like completely different stories. But I will admit that I actually prefer Tyrael's arc in Diablo 3 to anything we got in Cataclysm. Because Tyrael becoming immortal isn't the same thing as Tyrael not being who he was. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, I keep coming back to this. One thing I really don't like about how Cataclysm did its Age of Mortals thing is that at the end, we basically find out that dragons are effectively sterile now. That's at least from C-Dev people and so forth. And I've never liked that. And I've always wanted them to come out and say, no, no, that's not what ha- what's happening. It's kind of because... like a raw deal.
2: Yeah, it is. Like, hey,
0: have the world okay. for thousands of years. And then we're going to make it so you can't have any babies anymore and you just die out. Have fun. Yeah,
1: I, and I get the whole concept of, well, you did what we needed you to do, but you're not necessary anymore. But it's like, thanks, I guess. That's... That's a heck yeah, of a Yeah, but reward. how
0: cruel is that to say, no, okay, no, well, exactly. you're not necessary. Your role has been played out, so we're just going to let you die. Like, that's not yeah. even...
1: It
2: also... It sheds a weird light on Titans, too. Yeah. Right? Because, like, it makes you wonder if that's the fate of all Titanforged. Like, oh, you
1: served your purpose. You're obsolete. Yes. Bye. Bye. Hope you get. I hope you get that curse of flesh, because otherwise you guys are dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're but... just toast. But I mean it's like going back to like the Tyrael thing for a second Tyrael at the end of Diablo 3 is part of the Angiris Council even though he's immortal they don't they, you know they haven't kicked him out he's still considered to be one of them even though you know obviously uh there's some shock and horror as to what he's done they don't they don't just ignore him they don't like you know okay you're done whatever Tyrael Whereas-
0: took his stand and chose his side and then once he told his or chose that side he prevailed anyway I mean, well,
1: it, it, there's even a point in the game that I really like where Tyriel even makes the point that if he, I know it's actually the Nephilim who's like, it's a good thing you're mortal because if you weren't, you'd be on the ground like all those other angels and there'd be no one to help me stop Diablo. It's like this yeah. had to happen, you know, because all literally Imperius and all the other angels are like, you know, seizing up because the crystal spire is being destroyed and it's only Tyriel who can be there to help you and only through him ha- being there and having his sword. Eldred still works by the way. So it it recognizes him. It hasn't rejected mm-hmm. him. And that's the only way you get in. You would not have been able to get in without it. So it's it's a nice, and I believe there's, there's problems with the Diablo three story. I have some problems. There's some loose ends that needed to be tied up. It could have been done better. But that part of it is better than Cataclysm's Age of Immortals, in my opinion. The Age of Immortals story in Cataclysm kind of doesn't, it feels like at the very end, they're like, oh yeah, and by the way, dragons are not aspects anymore. It's like, huh? Was that a theme of this expansion? I don't remember anybody telling me that was going to happen. I mean, cool. It sort of echoes the Warcraft 3 thing, but it's. It could have been more. That's the only thing that I kind
0: of appreciated about it was that the end of it really echoed that whole the end of Warcraft Mm -hmm. 3. Well, the end of the assault on Hyjal, where Medivh says, you know it's time to put the world in mortal hands and I'm going to take my place among the legends of the past, whatever that means. Um, But this was kind of a more literal interpretation of that. I mean, I understand that they expended every, like, they were created to prevent the moment that Deathwing wanted to happen from happening.
2: Well, see, for me, it boils down to this. And this is something that I think uh, you guys are are familiar with. It's the seven basic plots that that basically everything falls into. And it's this... These all fall into them. And for those of you that don't know, the seven basic plots are Overcoming the Monster, a Rags to Riches, The Quest, Voyage and Return, Comedy, Tragedy, and Rebirth. And the concept is that every story that's been told since the beginning of time essentially falls into one of these seven categories. And the stories here fall into those categories pretty neatly, actually. Um, Some of them, there was some, some overlap, but... It doesn't bother me as much because I look at them and it's like, OK, well, you know, Tyrael is a mortar, mortal now. Well, that that's a story of rebirth, right? He's, he's being reborn as something else and accepting that role. Um, the Age of Mortals in Cataclysm, that, that's a tragedy. There, That's, you know, with a little bit of overcoming that monster in it as well. But it's that big tragedy at the end where, you know, this idyllic life that you know we thought that the dragons were going to have after you know the monster was defeated isn't so much the case anymore. It's kind and of I, and a
0: story I, of sacrifice.
2: It is. It, it very much is, and that and that's that big tragic moment when we realize the dragons are no more. Once they're gone, they're gone. Um, I don't necessarily like that with those characters because I feel I feel attached to them um but i understand it and the the legacy of the void thing is it's almost like a it's a voyage in return it's it's kerrigan becomes a god then mortal again i i I agree with rossi it's not necessarily becoming a god but she becomes incredibly powerful and then drops back down to what she was and that's go
1: further and that's a cycle right yeah, but with Kerrigan, let's actually go further. Because what actually happens to Kerrigan over the course of those three games is Kerrigan goes from the queen of the uh, Zerg to a human again. They 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 get her back. And then that's they didn't bother to ask her if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was Raynor's obsession. He kind of forced it on her. And then she basically, it's, it's like a gentle, gently says, I get that you care about me, but I didn't ask you to fix me. And that's her, her entire arc is about establishing that, you know, yes, being the queen of blades wasn't by choice, but it wasn't by choice to get it taken away from her either. And when given the choice, she goes back to it. And that's really the journey of that. Like the God Mm -hmm. thing at the end, that's the Zelnaga bit at the end is literally just here's a MacGuffin. So this story can end.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
1: (laughs) And that sometimes happens. And it's not always, if you didn't like legacy of the void, that's fair i again haven't played it uh just read all the lore you know because uh, that's me i want to keep up on these things but in the case of that it's very much a sort of it's sort of an inversion of the typical journey where like fate is thrust upon you this is one of those ones where even if fate wasn't thrust upon her she chose it she picked her damnation and that's a, that's a big part of that story that's not in the other two. And I think it's interesting. Uh, the, the, the thing is, is Blizzard is going to tell broad-stroke stories because mm-hmm. they're trying to tell stories for like large groups of people.
2: And not only that, telling, telling broad-stroke stories is, I, I hate to say, good for business because we as players, we as consumers of that product, can imprint onto those broader stories um, when they're slightly you know, left open-ended or have sort of those gaps that we can kind of fill in ourselves. We become more invested in it. The and more I mean,
0: open-ended you leave yeah. it and the more broad you have it, the more people can identify with. And, and I don't say, I mean, when I say the more people can identify with it, I don't mean, there's more opportunity. The more that they're capable to, I mean, a larger number of people can yeah. identify with it if it's broad strokes because different people identify with different aspects of that story. You leave it broad and you give people all kinds of aspects that they can identify with and plug themselves into and, and little things that they can latch onto. Um, maybe not necessarily the same thing from person to person to person, but there's enough of a story there that it's open-ended enough for everybody to find something
1: Look you at what know. we were just talking about. We were just talking about two very different comics. Yeah. But if if you are a girl of a certain age or a woman of a certain age, you've probably had relations with you know with your parents that didn't go the way you intended them. At least once or twice in your life, and both Jaina and Moira present different kinds of relationships with parents. You know, Jane, mother is still alive. Her father is dead. Things didn't go well. I mean, obviously most of us haven't killed our fathers behest of an orc, but most of us have at least once or twice had problems with our parents. That's just something you can relate to. And here you've got two different women with two different problems with their parents. They, they grew up different. Jane's
0: story is interesting to me because it, if you take a step back from the whole fact that she like let her father be killed uh the broader picture there is it's kind of an identify identification point for anybody who has turned away from their parents advice because they assume that they knew better Mm -hmm. and that's everybody we've all done that. (laughs) I mean I've done that I did that I don't know how many times or I was like I know more than you I know what's better for myself I know what's better for the world I'm going to go do that thing. And then it turns around and bites you in the butt and you have to go back. You have to go back to your roots. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that doesn't. Sometimes the parent comes around and says, okay, maybe you were right. Sometimes it turns out that you weren't right after all. And you didn't actually know everything under the sun because nobody does. But with Jaina, there's, there's obviously there's that element there where her dad is dead because of what she did. So there's a heavier burden for her to bear. And I find that really interesting. Um,
1: And and at the same time, you've got Moira with the exact opposite problem.
0: Well, and the other thing Uh, that I find really interesting about Jaina's story in particular was that in that comic, she found out that her mother had to argue with her father to allow her to go to Dalaran. It was her mother that got her into Dalaran. It wasn't her father. Her father may have taken her there. Her father may have been her point of contact after she left Colteris and everything, but when she left, when she was a little girl, it was her mother that was like, send her there, make her a mage, do it. And she didn't know that. Jaina didn't know that. So all of a sudden she has this, oh, moment, you know, where maybe she wasn't on the best of terms with her mother, but it turns out that her mother was a really strong proponent for everything that she is and everything that she became. And I find that interesting too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Moira. Yes.
1: Oh, just I'm saying, like, at the same time, you've got that story going on, and then you have a different story with, I mean, they're both identifiable for, you know, anybody's got, everyone's got parents, except for people who, you know, orphans, whatever. And then there's, there's plenty of orphans in WoW. There's a lot of different characters in WoW who you can get different stuff from. You've got Thrall, you can identify with Thrall if like you didn't know your parents or didn't know where you came from. That's like a story you can identify with, or you could identify with Garash, who only knew his father from like stories of what he'd done. You know, you grew up only knowing somebody through a few stories told about them, you know, like I, my mom's dad died like before I was born. Uh, so I never knew my grandfather. I just he was a guy that I heard stories about from time to time. It wasn't until I was an adult I found out all the things he did in his life. And he actually did a lot of things in his life I didn't know about. He, he was a he was an NFL referee back in the '50s and '60s. Uh, I, that's that's news to me. I didn't know that until like I was almost 30. That's uh, after cool. My, I didn't know that until after my mom died. Like put it that way. I hadn't I didn't find out until after my mom died. So there's you can relate to that if you know your family is not always something you know about there's there's always and there's lots of characters in World of Warcraft that can do that for you or talking about Diablo maybe you identify with the nephilim because they're you know the hero of the story but maybe you identify with Leah who is somebody who doesn't really know her place in the world and you know just all she's got is this crazy old guy she travels around with and it's impossible to take him seriously cuz he just tells you the craziest things and then one day you find out <laughs> You know, literally all that crazy stuff he was saying is true. Like, he he wasn't exaggerating at all. Like, there's parts of the story, like the game, where like it's like, oh, uncle, don't tell your crazy stories. And then the dead start walking. And it's like, um, okay, maybe the crazy stories weren't that quite as crazy.
0: That cinematic with Leah and Teriel, where where he, like, reveals who he is to her. And she sees him, like, really sees him for the first time. I love that cinematic so much.
1: <laughs> the thing it, about that one, too, when you watch it, the thing I've always catch on is the visual shorthand they use. Look at how big Tyrael's hand is compared to hers. Yeah. His hand is literally, like, she can barely get her fingers around one of his fingers. And you watch the bit when she touches him and she starts having the flashes. And she sees what, you know, what he did and, and the fight in heaven and all that. There's just... And that's just one of many characters like that's the way that that broad stroke storytelling can work in that instead of giving you one tight focused narrative, what they're giving you is a broad array of narratives that you can select from. And something like you pointed out about Magni talking about how we've had Magni for 14 years and a lot of this stuff is brand new because up until now, Magni hasn't been featured. No, but now he is now he is stepped up in a real way like the the role we thought Thrall was going to play. Um, in Cataclysm, the role we thought he was going to be of like the speaker for the Earth type thing—that's Magni now. Magni, Magni took it, and, and Thrall Even there's that story that we read in Cata where Thrall is like trying to touch the Earth, and he senses Magni. Yeah, Do you remember
0: that? It was a—it uh, was one of the short stories. Oh, and I can't remember the name of it, something or other of the Aspects. Anyway, um, yeah, where he went, he basically he was in Hyjal and he was trying to figure out what was going on, and he was trapped underground and trying to tap into the earth and for an instant there just like a flash he detected magni and it didn't say magni directly it just said that a creature of diamond or whatever there there were still thoughts going there and mm-hmm. and then he found deathwing and it all went crazy but yeah um
2: toilet of the aspect's thrall right
0: well and the thing is is like i don't think thrall could have been in that role i don't think thrall, thrall could have fulfilled that kind of a role in the same way that Magni can. Why? Because Thrall isn't from Azeroth. I mean, was he born there? Yes, but was he... he was born there but he was conceived back on Draenor. He's a child of Draenor. in, in, In as much as any of the orcs are, really, at heart. You know?
1: And that lets you deal with like the idea that some of us are not from where we're living. Like there's, that's a, that's a story hook for some people. Some people like they themselves were born elsewhere or they've come from people who were born elsewhere and you have to deal with that. That's like another thing that some people can bring to a story and, and hook into it and identify with. Charles'
0: story has always been about kind of like trying to establish that home. Where do you call home (laughs) when home doesn't exist anymore? And I mean, he went back home it was shattered in pieces in Outland (laughs) like there's nothing left of it there's a little bit tiny little bit in the grand and that's it the rest of it is just in pieces so what do you call home when you don't really have one how do you establish a home when the very place that you're trying to establish it in is fighting against your existence you know um, yeah,
1: and again, like, and all of this is basically just a, a big way of saying yeah. these stories are going to reoc- reoccur they, they, because that's what they're trying to do is to, to find as many ways to engage as many different people as they can. That's just how these things work.
0: I also like to think that, in, in, on, to some degree, game developers kind of, as they progress through their own lives, you see the reflection of what is important in their lives in oh, the yeah. games that they develop.
1: Well, that's
2: true of any writer, I think, right? Like, so any any writer who's crafting a story, uh, I mean, and, you know, you guys are, are definitely in this category as well. When you think about everything that you write about throughout all these years, how it's evolved yeah. and how it changes as your view changes, that's just natural. That's just going to happen because you have more information now. You have more life experience.
0: It's kind of like a reflection of who you are at that snapshot point in time. And you're not going to be that person forever. You change and you evolve, but the story still stands as kind of a reflection of who you were back then. Um, but when I you know when I say that developers kind of shape the game to fit their lives, I mean you look at something like God of War where the early games were very much go beat up stuff i I loved watching my roommate play the early God of War games because it mm-hmm. was just like a slaughter fest and it was really entertaining to watch, right? But then you look at the latest one and the latest one is. Him with a kid. And and there's it's like so this whole yeah. dynamic shift That's, going on. Dad of,
1: dad of boy.
0: Dad of boy, yeah. Boy! There's like this, boy. There's this, whole, there's this whole dynamic shift, though, and you have to think... I mean, I haven't played it, obviously. I don't have a, a console system that can play it, but when I look at something like that, I go, yeah, okay, that developer that was all about the blood and guts and gore, he's a dad now. Yep. And, oh yeah and, and this is this is a, in this is as much about him coming to terms with his role as as a father a, as it is with the developer doing the same thing, or like that's what interests that developer that's that's the heavy part of that developer's life at that point in time, so that's what's going to reflect in these games and you kind of see that shift in games over over any kind of period of time. World of Warcraft has had that shift too I mean when it first came out, it was very much. I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it kind of was, where it was like, this is our MMO, this is our baby, here we go. This is what should be in an MMO, let's do it. And it had more story than Warcraft 3, yes, but it didn't have the depth of story that it does today. And
2: Yeah, it was very basic, if you want to like, talk about that
0: it's shifted expansion over expansion and it's gotten more and more and more and more dynamic. And I'm really kind of interested in seeing what it comes to with battle for Azeroth. We've seen like the very first little pieces of what's going on. We haven't seen the end of it and we don't know where this is going to end when we get to the end of it. Like we have no idea that stuff is all in patches that have yet to be released or even put on the ptr or anything what we have on beta is the very early iteration of the game that's going to come out day one and as we saw with legion what we saw on launch day was not where we ended up because we ended up on argus and i don't think anybody was really expecting that not from the outset anyway so
2: i, I would know. like it noted that i like i did call i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can check the tapes.
0: Look, if we don't end up at Nyalotha, I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> You're both gonna be amazingly surprised when we, you know, instead of Nyalotha, the entire expansion takes place in the in in Encarage.
0: Yeah, we You're just go back like, to Encarage.
2: <laughs> or, or 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 instead of that it actually just loops back to Shire. You know, one or the other.
0: Oh no. That'd be great though. It'd be fun. Anyway, uh I think we talked that to death. I have another question here that's kind of a quick one and I think we have time for that and then maybe a little bit more chatter, but not much, because we've been going for quite a while. I didn't realize how long we've been going for. Yeah. Um, anyway, this one is from Christopher, who says, Love the Diablo stuff. Shout out to my guild. The strays, I'm proud more. My question for WoW lore is, we haven't had a true guardian since Medivh. Cadgar rejected the title, I think. I apologize if I'm wrong. But is it possible that rathion is a new guardian, and Battle for Azeroth is going to come down to the need of a new guardian, and it's rathion
1: Okay. No, I... there will be no Rathion ever again. He's not going to show up. Just stop. It's all going to be not Rathian. I said this because I want her <laughs> to kill me, apparently.
0: I'm going to murder you, but um, I'm going to assume, Christopher, that you haven't played through Assault on Karazhan, or the Assault of Karazhan, where you go back to Karazhan. Um, At the end of that, Medivh shows up and says, hey, Khadgar, you're the new Guardian. And Khadgar says, no, I don't want the that power and Medivh says, you don't need the power of the tears Fallen. You've got everything you need, and you're going to be a better guardian than I am. And then he says, what does he say? It's something about, it may be simpler to shut a door than pass through it. But sometimes a step into the unknown is required to break the bonds of fate or something like that. I don't know. He says a very so, medieval thing. Cycle.
1: It was about breaking the cycle. He
0: says a very medieval thing and then he flies off into the nether in his raven form and Kargar is left and he is guardian whether he would like it or not. Does he have the powers of the Tirisfal Fallen? No, he does not. Does he need them? No. Does anybody need them? No.
2: I mean, he's already what got Atiyash. What
0: did the guardian of Fall do? Like, what did they do typically? They fought the Burning Legion. They fought off the worst of the worst. A- Aegwyn fought off the Avatar of Sargeras and won That was her big moment As a Guardian There weren't a lot of Guardians But that's what they were there for Was to protect the world from the Burning Legion And threats like that We are in that role now Everybody that's playing World of Warcraft What do you think we're doing? We beat the heck out of Sargeras We imprisoned him on Argus Far, far away <laughs> Illidan is watching over him. Possibly, you know, they may just be up there punching each other. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing right now. Um, But I'm sure that Illidan is having a grand old time, whatever it is. It's just, I don't think that we need a guardian in the same vein as Aegwynn or Medivh anymore. I don't think that anybody needs the power of the Tear Swallowed. Look at us! Look what we're walking around with in Legion! Look at look at how many legendaries we have slapped on ourselves and then stuffed in our bags because we couldn't carry or we couldn't wear more than two at a time. We are the Guardians. We have been all this time. As for Ratheon, I don't think that he's going to be like a Guardian or anything like that. I want him to come back. I, I keep saying this in the hopes that somebody at Blizzard will hear that and bring him back again. Because... Frankly, he was one of the most interesting characters they've introduced in a long time, and I'm mad. I'm mad that he's not around more. I mean, I guess it's okay, so we don't get tired of him like we did with Thrall. But still, come on,
2: guys. Well, it's been a couple expansions now. At this point, where yeah. I think it's it, it would be nice to have him back at least in a little bit of the story, um, and more than just randomly showing up with a you know a quest event type thing that he really doesn't do a whole lot doesn't really say a whole lot he's just kind of there and we're not even sure why especially now we're like and we've talked about this before you have you have Ebenhorn who's out and about and now you have Rathion. that was an interesting dynamic i'd love
1: to see those two interact i really honestly would um bring- especially since we've seen that Ebenhorn needs to stay within certain prescribed bounds to keep the old gods from corrupting him yeah yep me uh rathion has not been staying in any such prescribed bounds and for whatever it's worth i don't think he's corrupted by old gods in the slightest
2: which is which is interesting which is why i kind of want to see those two interact because it's like is this That's because rathion
0: War- extraordinary was that he was a purified black dragon egg he had no touch of the old gods at all we manufactured him
2: sure but i mean it's one of those things where it's like i wonder if there's opportunity there for interesting storytelling between the two of them, is what well, basically right. Like it, it could be a thing that where is Ebonhorn actually not able to leave because of the corruption? Is or is that just something he believes because he saw all the other ones fall to the top? Well, no,
1: he literally it attacked him. You've done the 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 bit to get to get the 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 new die Mountain, right? Yeah, absolutely. He gets attacked by the old gods when he leaves that those prescribed areas yeah. and those totems he, he is almost controlled that he even says they almost had me like he, it's not he doesn't just believe it it happened to him mm-hmm. he felt their touch he so, can't leave high mountain so you know it's like he went out and tried it and oh god that was bad oh no shouldn't have done that which also also leads to the possibility that there's an old god underneath uh, thunder bluff but that's we can worry about that later I'm sure it's fine <laughs>
2: Well, or as we've seen, maybe not old necessarily an old god. Kind,
0: I, I think there's an old god kind of in that upper qu- quadrant of Kalimdor, honestly. Because um, if you go to, like, Ashenvale, there's tentacles and stuff all over the place in Ashenvale in that one mm-hmm. glen. And there's, like, a herald there in that one glen. And then, of course, we have all the stuff that was excavated over on Darkshore. That's all an old god. That that stuff isn't for Cthulhu. So who is it? Who's over there? Is that where N'Zoth is hanging out? Or is he somewhere else? Like, there's something going on there. And yeah, I think you're right. I think whatever Old God is... I, I, I think it's like that whole upper quadrant. Because, I mean, we saw we saw how far the reach of Yogg-Saron extended. It was like the entirety of Northrend. There's yep. something there in Northern Kalimdor. We just haven't found it yet. But it's there. <laughs> And I know that, like, Chronicle and all these other books, they've been saying, you know, there's this many old gods or whatever. No, I think there's more than that. I, I Seriously, I think there's more than that. I don't know. All right. Anyway, uh, Christopher, I hope that answers your question. I suggest if you haven't played um, Return to Karazhan, get a group together and go do it. Because it's actually really fun. Um, super fun. And the stuff that you find out in there is actually pretty lore heavy, which is pretty great. Uh, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap us up though. Like I said, next time we get together we will be talking about Before the Storm, Christy Golden's novel that comes out on June 12th. Uh, If you guys have any questions about any preview material or about the book itself, once you get it in your hot little hands and have it read, please send those to podcast.blizzardwatch.com put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show Um, and we will dive into that and roll around and see what happens when the show happens again. Anyway, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch and Lore Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can download a bunch of Blizzard titles, as well as many others at blizzardwatch.com slash audible and you can use that free audiobook download to pre-order the audiobook version of Before the Storm I believe that's still available on the website there so if you haven't gotten Before the Storm yet if you haven't pre-ordered it this is a good way to do that um, and I highly recommend it because Blizzard's audiobooks are pretty much top notch anyway you can get that again at BlizzardWatch.com/slash/audible, and every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Final thoughts, you guys? What do you want the next comic to feature? Trolls. Yeah.
2: I, I want I want something I want something more And the. I can't talk about why without any spoilers, but yeah. I just want I want more information because there's Look, some things that I've been Zandla- hearing that
0: we have <laughs> a Zand- Zandalar is coming up in Battle for Azeroth, so something featuring yes the trolls would be good.
1: Yeah, I want to know how certain people ended up in the stockades,
0: which uh, ties into what you
1: guys are talking about. Yes. Two people in particular ended up in the stockades. I want to know how they got there. <laughs> Show me that.
0: I would like to see. Yeah, actually, I would. I, I think I'd kind of like to see troll stuff, obviously, because we have um, Zandalar is going to feature. That's the Horde side of things is on Zandalar. So I'd love to see some of the background of the stuff that's going on over there. Uh, I think the other thing that I would like to see is I would like to see some kind of send-off to Gadgar. I would like to see where he left after he left when you encountered him in the Silithus Desert and he and he said his words and then he took off. I'd like to see where he went, what he's going to do now. Um, it was kind of a wild and crazy two expansions with the old dude. I'd just like to make sure that he's not going to, you know, go somewhere and promptly get himself killed or whatever. Like he's actually going to go do something productive. That would be nice. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm sure the rest of you are heartily sick of Cadgar.
1: <laughs>
2: no, I can do with more Dadgar. Yeah. I'm gonna
0: miss I'm the sick old
1: man. Him, but I'm not sick of him, but I'm glad we're gonna take a break from him, let me put it that way.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we we've gotten we've just gotten up to the edge where it's like, Okay, I've had enough of Cadgar, he can go away forever now. We've gotten to the point where it's like, Alright, I am I am ready to see Cadgar step off into the sunset. I just like to know where he's going if y'all could let us know that'd be great anyway uh i guess we'll find out in the next few weeks here because i don't think they're done with their comics with releasing their comics just yet so we'll keep an eye out for that thank you guys very much for listening as always and we will see you in two weeks